This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. On June 30th, Sweden will officially cancel its agreement with Elsevier, one of the largest academic publishers in the world. No longer will new journal articles or books published by Elsevier be available in any Swedish university or library. Why is this happening? What's behind the disagreement between Elsevier and Sweden? Their latest proposal, it was the best proposal we have gotten from Read Elsevier, but it wasn't good enough. We didn't think it was sustainable to reach 100% open access for the future. Today, Wilhelm Widmark, the library director at Stockholm University, joins me to talk about the state of academic publishing. Vidmark serves as the vice chair of the Swedish Bibsam Consortium Steering Committee, the group that negotiates agreements with publishers on behalf of universities and libraries across the country. Although he criticizes Elsevier for charging excessively high prices on academic publications, he places most of the blame on the academic system of meritocracy that is based on academic publications. Well, I think the major problem with the system today is the merit system. You have, if you want to get a new job within the universities, they look at where have you published. And it is with the big publishers that you get the biggest merits. So you have really had to change that system. Wilhelm Widmark, welcome to Fresh Ed. Thank you. Can you explain uh, to me what the Bibsum Consortium is? Well, the Bibsum Consortia is the biggest consortia in Sweden for the, all the universities and university colleges, libraries to get together and to buy, be, make deals with the publishers to buy information from the publishers like articles and databases and things like that. And how many universities are in this consortium? Well, we are 38 universities, and then we have some governance agencies as well, all stately founded. And what percentage of universities is that in Sweden? It's 100% of the universities in Sweden. Okay, so why is the consortium needed to bid for licenses with these different academic publishers? Well, I think in the beginning when we started to buy e-journals together, we had to have more uh, negotiation power to talk to the publishers. So we got together to uh, make the consortia. So I think it's mostly for the negotiation power. And in the same time, we got a lot. We have one administration instead of 38 administrations for this. So I think that's that I think you really need a consortia to get better deals to get better clauses in the licenses and better prices. So I want to talk today about this consortium's decision not to renew the contract with uh, Reed Elsevier, which has made uh, international headlines lately. So can you walk me through this decision? Why did the consortium decide to not renew the contract with Reed Elsevier? Well, of course, we have had the contract with Elsevier for 20 years. And now we have had discussions with Elsevier for our negotiations for about two years. And we couldn't get to the terms where we 
both Elsevier and the Beepson Consortia, we couldn't get an agreement. So we had we said, now we cancel a contract because you won't sell us what we want. Can you tell me what were the points of disagreement? Well, I think the biggest point of disagreement is about we want to have 100% open access and we like to both publish and read within the same contract and it should be a sustainable solution for the future and we don't want to pay more than we pay today. And Reed Elsevier just said no to that? Well, no, we have had uh, discussions and with their latest proposal, it was the best proposal we have gotten from Reed Elsevier, but it wasn't good enough. We didn't think it was sustainable to reach 100% open access for the future. And as you maybe know, in Sweden, we have a governance policy that in 2020 we should reach 100% open access on articles so we can't take deals where we don't see that it will lead to open access in the future. So Reed Elsevier is a for-profit company and so I would imagine open access would in many ways go against their bottom line. No, I don't think that open access goes against the bottom line. I think they also provide open access but they want to get paid both for the licensing and for the open access. So it's not sustainable for the future to pay that much money to one publisher. They want to keep two different business models, one for the licensing part for reading and one for the publishing part. And if we should go that way with Elsevier, it will double our costs. Can you take me through that a little bit more in detail? So, you know, what is the licensing agreement and the costs associated with that? And then what are the publishing agreements and fees associated with that? So I, I think if we take the licensing, we pay one amount for the whole consortia to read all uh, the articles from Elsevier's journals. So that's the licensing part for reading. Then we pay outside of the contract today, the APCs, article processing charges, to publish our output in open access with Elsevier journals. So it's uh, two separate models. And we have counted on it in Sweden. If we should make all our output open access and pay the amount for the APCs, it would be the same, nearly the same cost as the cost for the licensing. So it will double our costs. So we want to have a contract where you combine the reading and the publishing. And why do you think Elsevier doesn't want to do that? Well, I think I understand they want to earn money, of course, and they want to keep (laughs) their business model separate. And what they are saying to us is that, okay, you could handle it in Sweden, but we are a company for the world and it's only north europe that wants open access so they say it's they can't change the system if not all the countries will join in the whole world and we say okay you have to start with pilots in northern europe where we have uh, policies from the governments the eu said that we should be open access in 2020 and we think that you shouldn't lock in science behind paywalls all science should be publicly free and that's what the eu is saying by 2020 
Yes, by 2020. Yeah. And so Elsevier is saying, well, unless the whole world does it, we can't do it. Is that sort of the, the gist of it? Yes, uh, they, and I understand their position on it because they have a market where they just is built on licensing and then they have a market in Northern Europe mostly or the whole Europe who demands open access as well and want to pay for publishing instead of pay for reading. But uh, it's really an important question in within EU. So I think that Elsevier has to listen to us and has to in some way, I, th I think they are listening to us, of course, but they don't today want to change their business models. Have other countries or other universities or library systems also cancelled their licensing agreements with Elsevier over similar issues? Uh, yes, one country and you have uh, heard about it. It's in Germany. They cancelled, I think it's one and a half year ago, they said to Elsevier, we won't renew our contract if we won't get 100% open access and uh, we could read everything anyway. So Germany is the first country and now it's Sweden as well. Then it's other universities have cancelled their big deals, their big licensing deals, and started to buy separate journals instead. So let's put Reed Elsevier in the context of the other publishers. Have you had similar issues with other publishers? Well, within the consortium, we have made a strategic direction, of course, that we should, in all our contracts, we should have some sort of agreement for open access that where we combined open access and licensing and um, we have discussed that with all the publishers and we have some agreements that are i don't think that we you can say that they are good but they are much better than elsevier has offered us so i mean looking at all of the different licenses that the consortium signed how expensive is elsevier compared to the other publishers? Well, uh, Elsevier is the biggest publisher and it's a lot of quality in the things they do. So it is also the most expensive publisher. So I think for the consortia, it's about one third of the amount spent is with Elsevier. Wow. And then we have ebooks and databases and everything. So we spend a lot of money with Elsevier. And then we have the APCs on top of that. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So it really adds up quite quickly. And, you know, like you said, they're big publisher. How big? Like how many volumes, how many databases, you know, what percent of the library system is is the content coming from Reed Elsevier? I can't say in percent, but if you think it's about 2,000 journals within the big deal, and then we have a lot of big databases, and for instance, Stockholm University has all Elsevier's e-books as well, so it's a major part, or a big part of the uh, articles we have with Elsevier, of course. So if you were to cancel this or when you do cancel this um, license agreement with Reed Elsevier, does this mean that universities in Sweden would not have access to any of this content? Uh, no, it's not really true. Because in our licensing deal today, we have a post-termination uh, clause that says that we have archival rights to everything we have had before. So from 1996 until we cancel, we will have all the articles. Then we won't have the new articles from 
it will be 1st of July this year. So we will have from 96 until 1st of July 2018. That's going to free up a lot of money, I would imagine, for the consortium, right? Like, what are you going to do with all of that extra money? Are, are there other publishers that you will be able to find additional content from? Well, um, I don't think today we are still negotiating with Elsevier. We, I don't think we will go away and spend the money directly, but I think every university has to decide how they will use the money. But I think you should use them on gold open access in that way. So I, but that will be a decision for each university, how you handle that money. Oh, really? Okay. So th- at that point, it, the consortium wouldn't have the, the power to sort of negotiate future deals with that money? No. It's uh, as the consortia functions, we have the it's the separate money for each university. We have the deal and then we pay for the deal together. So it's no money owned by the consortium. And do you think that canceling the contract with Elsevier will have any negative effects on on research coming out of universities of Sweden? Well, if this will continue for a very long time, it could be problems. It is very important for the researchers in Sweden to have the articles from Elsevier. But when we made the decision, it was the presidents of all the universities that said that now you, we can't take this deal, we have to cancel and we have to really try to help our researchers to get the articles through the libraries by interlibrary loans and other ways where you have articles in green open access and things like that. But if we won't have the material for a long, long time, it could be problems for some researchers. But we have also talked to many researchers and they say we will we will get the material. So they're not afraid now. <laughs> and, and do they tell you how they're going to get the material? Well, they say that in science, it's scholarly sharing. So if you need an article from one author, you write an email to the author and say, okay, can I get your article? And they will send the article and that's legal. Of course, you can scholarly share. But it will take a little bit longer time for the researchers to get the articles, maybe. Right. So are you hopeful that the consortium will come to an agreement with Reed Elsevier in the future? Yes, that's the mission to get an agreement. But we will... It would be a sustainable agreement for the future that is based on publishing and reading. So hopefully Elsevier has to talk to us again. And we are still talking with each other. And can you tell me a little bit about that process? I I mean, I know you might not be able to go into all of the details, but... You know, Reed Elsevier is this massive global company. I looked up their their revenue from last year, and it's something like 2.5 billion pounds. I would imagine they have teams of lawyers that are working on these agreements with, you know, different countries and universities and library systems. So, you know, the consortium, from my understanding, is, is you know, it has six or seven full-time staff members. So what is it actually like to negotiate with such a large company? Well, I think we have had the consortium in Sweden for about 20 years, and it's based on the National Library. So the administration is within the National Library. Then we have a steering committee for the consortia that is from the Swedish universities. So 
today the president of Stockholm University is the head of the steering committee and I am the vice head of the steering committee. So it's not just the administrative people from the National Library. So with Elsofin now we have a negotiation group from the consortia that I'm within it and then we have another library director and we have the president of Stockholm University and then two people from the National Library as well. So we are a good team that have made a lot of negotiations before. So I don't think it's harder to negotiate with Elsevier than any other publishers. So it, the problem is that the people we are negotiating with, they don't have that much mandate to say anything. They have to, they have their mandate and then they have to go back and talk to the management and talk to the lawyers and then they come back to us. So it's, it takes really long time. It's not like if you're negotiating with someone that really has the power to say yes or no to anything. So no wonder it's taken two years to this point. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I say we we have had really good discussions with us. For, for one, one year ago, we said to Elsevier, well, now nothing is happening. So we invited them to really top meeting with the, the president of Stockholm University, one people from the Department of Education and the Research Council and the National Library, just to talk to them to say, hey, Elsevier, we want to make a deal with you, but these are our conditions. We stand for this in Sweden. And after that, we, we have had really good discussions, but it didn't lead that far that we wanted to. So stepping back slightly from sort of this one instance of a negotiation that's currently taking place, you know, how would you describe sort of the state of scientific or academic publishing? Uh, you, you come from, you know, many listeners probably work in universities and maybe are, are writing journal articles or writing monographs and being published by publishing companies like Elsevier. But I would imagine a lot of people haven't really thought about it from more of the library side. Um, so in your opinion, you know, how would you describe the state of academic publishing? Well, I, I think the state of academic publishing, I think we need the publishers, of course. Today, we have all the researchers writing their articles and make a submission to different uh, publishers. Then the publishing company make the quality of the article by reviewing it, but it's still the researchers from the universities that are reviewing it. And then we have editors that help to make the journal and put in the articles. And also the editors are from the universities. So the whole process for without the technical side is made by researchers from the universities and then the library buys it back. And that's that's a big problem. I think the we need the publishers, we need a technical system and a quality system to get all the articles outside. We need a peer review, of course, but today it is too expensive for the universities to do all the work and then buy it back via the libraries. <laughs> it's it's really unbelievable in a way. I mean, it, it's it's like these companies are 
just getting so much free labor. And then on top of that, they're asking libraries to buy back the work. I mean, it's it's just, it's absurd in a way. Well, <laughs> I can't blame them because we have let them do this. We have made the system from the universities. We have accepted to do this. But now when it really has, yeah, the crisis of the journals when they w went electronic and it got more and more expensive and many of the universities even in Sweden can't have all the information they need because they can't afford it. So then we had the discussion about open access and then the publishers found a way to make open access and get revenue for that as well. So we have both the licensing system and the APC system where we pay for the articles. So they have done it really good <laughs> and we have accepted it so far. That's the problem, I think. You can't blame the publishers. They are companies that want to make money as well. So we have accepted it, but I don't think we should accept it anymore in that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I was doing some Googling earlier and trying to look at, you know, who's in charge, who are the CEOs of some of these big publishers. And I didn't look up Reed Elsevier, but I looked up Routledge, which is owned by Informa. And I've also looked up Wiley and Sons. And, you know, these CEOs make something like four million US dollars a year in salary. I mean, these are huge companies. And like you said, universities have just allowed this to happen, you know, where it's it's not necessarily the publisher's fault. We've let them do it. Yes, we have let them do it. I think that is the most important thing in Sweden now that the all the presidents of the universities has said, now it has to stop. We can't continue doing this in this way. Of course, we have to pay to get help with the publishing process. We don't have, we have alternatives today, but we have to, we can't take out the publishers today and say we have, okay, we'll let the market flow free. But I think it's very important. The, the only ones that can stop this is the academics, not the libraries and anything like that. So it's the academics. So what advice would you give to academics, you know, particularly young academics like myself who are preparing monographs, preparing edited volumes, writing journal articles? You know, what advice would you give to us about how we can help change this system that obviously hurts academics and hurts libraries and hurts the idea of of knowledge as a public good? Well, I think the major problem with the system today is the merit system. You have, if you want to get a new job within the universities, they look at where have you published. And it is with the big publishers that you get the biggest merits. So you have really have to change that system. But as a young researcher, you should look who are you publishing with and what is uh, this company doing and where will you get your best quality but in the same time you have to decide how can my career be in the best way and where should i pub publish then so that's i think that's the major obstacle that we are in the merit system we are looking so much at uh, g factors and things like that so that is really something that has to change. Are you hopeful that it is going to change? Yes, otherwise I wouldn't be working within this. I, th I think <laughs> the, we have talked about this for a 
15 years and now it start happening things. I was talking with the Swedish uh, presidents four or five years ago about this. What, how could we handle big publishers in negotiations? Can we say no to big publishers? And they said, no, you can't. You have to have the contracts. And now today they say, okay, let's stop it now. It's, uh, we have to do something and we have to talk to our, our academics and we have to have discussion about the future of scholarly communications at the universities. I think the most important thing is this has been a library question about open access and now it's on the tables of the university management in Sweden and that's a big change because it's only the academics that can change the system. And why do you think that that change happened where before you weren't even allowed to say no to the publishers and now it's sort of on the the tables of management in universities. What actually changed over those 15 years? Well, I think everything takes a lot of time. And I think now when we have, I think one of the most important things here in Sweden is when we have from the government, you should publish in open access. And when you look at the figures it will cost if we both have the licensing and the publishing costs, then the presidents understand this isn't sustainable. So I think it's a lot of things that had happened on the same time. And then in Europe, when EU is really strong on the open access and the transparency and uh, open science, we are working for that. Then you really have to start the discussion so it's i think it's time now to change the system and i'm hopeful it will happen and hopefully we have got a lot of attention from this from the whole world and i have talked to researchers from both uh, north america and asia about those things so i don't think this will only be a moment in europe i think it will start in the whole world to discuss open science and open access to all scientific research and publishing. Well, Wilhelm Widmark, thank you so much for joining Fresh Ed. I wish you the best of luck in your continued negotiations with Elsevier and hope to see some of these movements cropping up in North America and in Asia, as you said. Yes, thank you. Wilhelm Widmark is the library director at Stockholm University and vice chair of the BibSAM Consortium Steering Committee. Please note that opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate us on iTunes. It really does help. Fresh Ed is made possible through listener donations. Please consider becoming a member of Fresh Ed by visiting freshedpodcast.com support. Fresh Ed's producers are Sherry Yang, Yuval Devere, Hong Zong, and Lushik Waba. Aggie Hu is Freshhead's social media coordinator, and original music for Freshhead was created by Digital Primate. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week.